Hello and welcome to the first podcast from Pennine Kids. In this episode, Will Roebuck and I speak about barefoot mediation and how mediation can offer a simple and effective approach to support individuals and businesses in times of crisis. So Jen, I'm just introducing you as the Barefoot Mediator. Please give us an idea about what Barefoot Mediation is all about. So yes, Barefoot Mediation. I've been a mediator for 25 years, Will, but in lockdown, which we've been in for the last, what, 80 months, more or less, I was working without shoes on. So I, I, I joked and called myself the Barefoot Mediator. And then I thought, I wonder what that is. Now, Will, you and I have known each other for a long time. And as you know, I've always been passionate about the essence of mediation. What are the dispute resolution skills that could be used by everybody every day in every way, in the workplace, at home? And, and I decided that was what barefoot mediation was. It's, it's the essence, it's the bare essential skills of dispute resolution that I can communicate to everybody. Sure, that's, that's, that's a great overview. You say we've, uh, yes, we have, I mean, we've known each other for a long time, great friends and great colleagues. Um, this is something that's really been passionate, uh, you've been passionate about for a very, very long time. And really, you were kind of ahead of your time in many respects, because I, I remember we were talking about dispute resolution and early dispute res- resolution probably 20 years ago. So what's changed over the last 20 years, Jane? It's been a long road, shall we say, Well, I think, you know, when I started in, in mediation and dispute resolution, it was really alternative and it hadn't been accepted uh, by the by the legal profession and that was our main task then was to say, look, this is a this is a process that can be used in litigation, in the court process. And now the courts and the and the lawyers are, are on board. And the, and the next job, which was the one I always wanted to do, was to, to go to businesses and say, look, you can integrate this process, this thinking, if you like, into the way you manage and govern your your business. And that's really what I, I've always been about. But it's, uh, you know, this is what people have woken up to now is the potential for that. And I think you probably agree with me that um, certainly with COVID, I think there's been a sea change really. I mean, a, a one size fits all approach to anything at the moment really doesn't work because we, we all say, uh, think and do things differently, uh, 8 billion of us around the world. So. Um, do you think there's a lot more empathy now in business that we need to really kind of instill into, say, for example, our teamwork and uh, really respecting our colleagues, uh, whatever they do, whatever the background, and trying to sort of in- introduce more diversity and, of course, equality? I think we do. One of the things that I uh, I like is the idea that we create a culture of safety and, and that is around, you know, equality, diversity and inclusion, but it is around difference of all kind. You know, as you say, we are all different. We see things differently and we must acknowledge that. And actually, from my perspective, I've always talked about the magic of conflict, but there is the magic of difference. You know, the fact that we shouldn't all be the same. We shouldn't all see things the same. That's what makes a business rich and and flourish. But of course, as human beings, we struggle with the dynamics of that. How do we actually deal with someone who sees things very differently to us? So I think, yes, we are working towards workplace culture now. And the idea of culture in the workplace has become much more prominent. But what do we mean by that? And how do we actually make that work? And again, that's part of my work is about working with people and looking at what's the culture here? How do we do things around here? 
and how we got that foundation level where we do have dialogue and and conflict resolution right at the at the beginning to make sure things don't escalate and become a dispute and how do we start to instill those values in young people in children and, and the approach that they have in terms of the playground and, and sort of uh, interacting really with each other i mean so obviously since we started uh, you know we, we we've known each other the we, we've had social media we've had the rise of mobile phones and then of course you know we we then were hit by the big uh, covid uh, pandemic so for me i think there's a, the, what's missing from a lot of the technology and the online technologies is, is, is really the ethics and the values and even the etiquette in terms of how we communicate with each other online and i think Possibly the reason why we, we're talking about mental health so much is because we see it every day mm. on social media. You know, people mm. react very quickly uh, to, to, to situations, perhaps even without thinking. And I guess in the workplace, um, you know, if people do react in that way, uh, they may say things that actually they didn't really mean to say, but they've said it. So how do we kind of pull back on things like that where we really need to... Um, just take uh, take time out and really kind of think about how we are communicating with each other. I do think this is a big challenge, particularly with the homeworking world, because as you say, when there's a screen in between you or when you, you know, you're simply responding through social media, the temptation is to feel that you are masked. You know, we talk about masks quite a lot at the moment, but when you are hidden in some sense, you're not as aware of the impact you're having. You're not as mindful of the impact that your words and your communication is having. And a lot of my training is about being aware that even inadvertently, you can cause someone else to feel uh, that, that, that conflicted um, and that their response will then become defensive. And you see that, you know, if you look at some of the posts on social media and the stream and they, you know, people start being really abusive to each other. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have got to teach everybody, uh, young people in particular, you know, right from an early age, some core values it's the kind of thing that you would have in an organization or, or at board level about respect, about the impact of words and, and how do you just take a step back and think, you know, I was talking to somebody this week and saying, you know, one of the things I learned to do early on, if I had a difficult message was to say, think about it or write about it and give myself several options. I could say it this way, I could say it that way, or I could say it this other way. And then take some time and go, but which, if I was the recipient of that message, and it's the question is, what outcome do you want your words to have? You know, it, what do you actually want the other person to do with them? Because you can say something in a way that gets it off your chest. And you may feel good in the short term because, oh, you've got it out there. You've said what you wanted to say. But if the impact short or long term is not what you really wanted or intended, you've lost a friendship, for example, you've changed a, a, a profession, you've even ruined your chances of, of promotion. That wasn't what you intended. And mm. I think, you know, just taking time to think there are different ways in which you can say the same thing. What's your intended outcome? Sure. And is there a real difference between the spoken word and the written word? Because, of course, social media is very much the written word, unless of course you have the uh, have lots of videos on there as well. And I think 
you know, in my experience, I mean, I've sent emails out, and and the although I've meant to say one thing, in many ways, you know, people have sometimes interpreted it in, in a different way, which hasn't been exactly what I wanted to put across. And I think that kind of communication where we're not face to face and we're not kind of looking people in the eye and we're not kind of reading the body language is often very, very difficult when uh, when we're obviously online and, um, and, and, and and talking to each other without that kind of personal uh, space and particularly for, for uh, uh, you know, conferencing where there's lots of people online that are each, uh, you know, you've got to watch and you've got to sort of uh, get involved with them. And I think it's, you know, I think I think that kind of that connection uh, that we would normally have uh, is not necessarily there when when we're when we're sort of miles away. I mean, you've just sort of spoken about going to Wales recently, but you're going to be in Brazil as well at the same time, which is yeah. you know, uh, one of the days when you can you know uh, you can be in two places at one time. A lot there, Will. I mean, I think the written communication, sometimes we're writing when it would be easier to pick up the phone or to to set up a Zoom call. I know many of us are zoomed out at the moment, but, you know, sometimes we struggle trying to write a long email when a short telephone call would be better. Uh, and in fact, why not get back to having some coffee meetings now, meeting people face to face? I think we've got used to sort of thinking, oh, it's a waste of my time when actually it's probably not necessarily to meet a few people face to face so i think you know getting back in the room is one thing we ought to think about yeah i think understanding how you again how you manage zoom calls some of my clients are saying to me that they've become very functional people are missing that coffee in the room you know chit chat yeah. and we've lost this sense of what business is about is relationships it's about us knowing liking trusting each other primarily and then doing business together. It's not just the function of doing business. It's not just the function of the meeting. So some of my clients have been saying, well, we've got, you know, we've got this meeting and they just turn up online, say, what's the business of the day? They go through it and disappear. And then they say, well, that wasn't a very successful meeting. But going back to thinking about, you know, um, there's a wonderful book called it's about gathering i'll try and give you the details of it why we gather or something but gathering thinking about when you're meeting with people you're gathering what are you gathering for what's the purpose of the gathering how are you going to make that gathering meaningful purposeful even fun there's no reason why you can't have something that you know even when you go around the room introducing each other you know, maybe one object from my room that you, you you wouldn't know I had here. You know, what's one object that relates something, something that, you yes. know, brings you to life, brings your meeting to life. No reason why we shouldn't be doing those things. And just thinking about, let's go back to thinking about relationships and not just business. Yeah. If you're expecting me to do a bit of a dance in a grass skirt, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Disappointed me, Will, I'm sorry. Probably <laughs> <laughs> ice skating. So I think, um, I mean, one of the problems we have, of course, is that we have a, a huge uh, skills gap problem where there aren't enough millennials around and there are the, the experience amongst millennials to replace the, you know, an older age, uh, age workforce is, is a bit of a challenge for us. And I, I guess um, what we're talking about here are all those soft skills that businesses are looking for that don't necessarily get when people are leaving school so it's being able to communicate properly yes. um, and really kind of 
uh, engage with people and know how to engage, um, uh, you know, with with, um, with 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 customers, with fellow uh, colleagues, and uh, the wider world. I think so. I think again, school's very functional, isn't it? And it's all geared yeah. to let's get the exams, let's get you into work or into college or into university. Yeah. It's not then geared to think about well, what social skills do I need? No, and I no. think more and more young people are perhaps and, and have been now in, in lockdown, you know, relying more on social media and maybe they and all of us have lost perhaps some element of how do we relate to people face to face or how do we relate to people effectively. So I think those skills should never be undermined and they should never be called soft skills because they're very hard. <laughs> No, absolutely. And it goes back to, to, to certainly the research that so we have uh, pet and kids that a one-size-fits-all approach to uh, youth careers doesn't work and never will. And, you know, if we consider that we, I think we have around 700,000 NEETs uh, not in education, further education, uh, employment or training in the UK. So something is obviously going wrong with the process. And you know, we're beginning to hear a lot more about uh, businesses that want to grow their own. They take uh, young people out of school at 16, shape them into the, the, you know, into the business that they would want. And if they want to go to university, they can go, you know, to university later on, which is paid for by, by their employer. So it kind of really pulls back on all the debts that, um, you know, that a lot of kids, young people are, you know, are, um, you know, are, 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 you know, are, are sort of massing um, as, as um, you know as they have to go to university. I've got a wonderful image there uh, Will of a pot plant you know watering a pot plant but uh, I love this yeah. idea <laughs> grow your own. <laughs> grow yeah. your own. Well, absolutely absolutely. absolutely. There's a lot more, you know, I mean I'm just thinking for example at McDonald's I mean they you know they have their own management process they have their own management uh, program uh, that um, that young people can join um, or you know you get involved with the crew and, and you know and that's um, that's how it works so you are now, you are president-elect of the Institute of Arbitrators and you're due to start your new role in January, I think, 2022. Yes. What sort of aspirations do you have for the Institute over uh, the, the 12 months and, and your own role within that, uh, with, you know, with, uh, as, as the new president? Thank you, Will. I mean, I'm hugely excited about it, um, not least to be able to, you know, showcase if you like what mediation skills and dispute resolution processes can do in the workplace and I really do want to show how ADR that's alternative dispute resolution can be used at work and I mean in the workplace in business but also how it can be put to work in society generally you know we all need these skills in our families in our day-to-day -day life so I think that's going to be my theme and very much wanting to work with young people i've been doing a project here in oxford looking at young people and mental health and of course this is a huge issue n now at the moment so i'm um, really very much focusing on adr in the community and in the workplace is going to be my my focus so i guess your key message jane is that adr alternative dispute resolution mediation arbitration whatever you want to call it is actually accessible by everybody and we need to really think about those values in our day-to-day -day relationships not only just in the workplace but in our family in our communities and um, and everything we do 
Absolutely. Well, one of the things I've been working on as the barefoot mediator is uh, a map. And that uh, is a process where I take people through a journey to understand conflict from their own perspective. But within organizations and as individuals, I get them to come up at the end of the day with their own map. And that stands for a manifesto and a pledge. And a manifesto mm. is what do I really believe in? What are my core beliefs that I can put out there? I can, and then what are my pledge? What is my promise in terms of actions? What do I promise to do in accordance with my beliefs? And I think all of us can think about, certainly at a business level, having a map, a manifesto and a pledge that it makes it absolutely clear what our beliefs are and also what our values and actions are going to be. Yes, yes. And of course, you know, at the end of the day, people make organisations unique. Um, and certainly from the research we've done, young people, they're very passionate about these social values, social responsibility, social justice, actually. And I think there is some research somewhere where 80% of young people will only work for organisations that uh, reflect their own values. And uh, I guess that remains to be tested and seen in a, you know, in a, in a, job market where you know we're, we're under pressure from uh, from uh, you know what, what's been happening recently with covid but you know i do think that deep down it is that integrity uh, that, that really uh, is at the heart of what we do and integrity is something that we think we should be thinking about when we're posting things online and, and really interacting with each other online because as we know there have been quite a few cases where Young people have been uh, hauled over the coals for things that historically posted online and which uh, are now not acceptable uh, or would never really been acceptable, but they've been kind of brought to light and actually may affect their career. I agree. Well, and I think th these values, these beliefs matter at, at, at all levels and all ages. And if you know what yours are, if you've got three core beliefs and then if you can measure anything you think of saying or doing against it and go does that fit with my values you know would somebody look at that post and go yep that 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 resonates with that person and with it you know it's a simple it's a simple equation but it's an easy one to do brilliant jane thank you ever so much for this interview i think it's been really really great for you to uh, talk about some of those values and uh, certainly i hope and uh, you know colleagues hope that uh, you you know you'll be very much working uh, with Penine Kids and with some of the opportunities that we have and, and, and really kind of pushing those, uh, that, that, the, those values and how we communicate to the top of the agenda really for, uh, for future proofing the workforce. So thank you very, very much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you would like to contact Will Roebuck, you can do so at will at penninekids.uk and Jane Gunn at jane at janegunn.co.uk. Please see the link in the show notes.